This isn't a moment where I'm imparting my wisdom because if we're living off of the wisdom of Pastor West this morning, God help us all. We are imparting the word of God and believing that the God who moved mountains, that healed the sick, that healed the blind, that rose again is still at work today. And all of those who want to receive a word from God said... Amen. I'm so excited to be here with you. I want to give you some information as we have talked about Zach and Jenna that there will be a celebration of life tomorrow. I wanted to make sure and get this address and information to you so that you can show up for your family. The celebration of life will be tomorrow at 3 p.m. at Oakwood Cemetery. And there's uh, the address right there. You can go ahead and take a picture of it if you need it. Just make sure I'm not in it. I'm just kidding. Um, But we want to show up for our family because we do love them very dearly. I'm so grateful to be here. Um, so grateful to step in for a pastor like Pastor Zach, who really does love the Lord and isn't afraid to move any wall out of his way in order for people to hear about him. Um, whether he's throwing a medicine ball at it or he's kicking it, whatever it takes, Zach is willing to go the extra mile to make sure people hear about Jesus, and so is this team. Uh, you guys have something incredibly special here. Not only this team, but this community of people. Just the moment that the service started, I could feel the spirit of God start to work in this room. And I just want to encourage you. Because too often do we allow church to become a Christian country club. Where we walk in a room and it's the same people each week. And we all wear our nicest clothes. And we put deodorant on for the first time this week. And we come to church. And we drink the good coffee. And we smile. And how was your week? Oh, it was fine. It was good. And then we wear this mask and we just come in and then we walk out, out, back out of this room and nothing's changed. But this is not a place for us just to say hello to each other. But this is a place for us to experience the life-changing, love-giving spirit of God. And that is something that always is at work and always wants to change something about you. See, we have this misconception That once we give our life to Jesus, there's this grand change, and then after that, it's all the same. And the truth is, God wants to change you every single day. It is a constant process of making you look more like the Lord and less like the world. And unless we walk in a spirit of open-handedness and open-heartedness and allow God to work in us, we will leave this room not changed. I want to leave this room changed. Every Sunday, every day, I want to open up the word of God and I want to allow God to transform what I look like to be more like him and less like the world. Don't miss out on an opportunity for God to change your life. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for meeting us here this morning. We are so grateful that we get to worship you together, that we get to break open your word. God, I pray that you would shove every word that I have to say aside and you would speak directly to your people this morning. God, that you would use me and that we would have open hearts and open ears to receive this message and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. I know a shortcut. Does anybody know that guy or that person? Before MapQuest and Google, whatever direction system that you use nowadays, MapQuest, that was old. Uh, Why was that the first one that came up? I'm only 28. Uh, Like... But uh, you remember you have to print the directions off. Anybody remember doing that? I have to go to my parents' house, print the directions off, and then get to where you're going. And then if you don't get there, Lord, help me. I mean, that's when we really relied on the Spirit is when you're lost. Um, but sometimes people 
get lost when they think they know better. I know a shortcut. How many people have ever been on a road trip with somebody? Maybe it's a short distance, maybe it's a long distance, and the person driving says, I know a shortcut. And then they take the shortcut, and you end up doing what? Getting lost. And the shortcut ends up being the long way. And if you would have just taken the simple path that was already given to you, and not tried to take a shortcut, you would have found yourself to your, dist- your destination quicker than you anticipated before. I believe that this is a year that we will see generational revival amidst our country, our state, our churches. We are going to see generational revival, but the truth is there is no shortcuts to the promises of God. But oftentimes, the people of God want to take the shortcut so that we can receive the blessings of God a lot quicker. So we try to take shortcuts in our relationship with him, in our obedience, in so many other directions. Psalms 112, 1 through 2, our theme verse has been, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delights in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. There is no shortcuts to walking in the commandments of God. I'm sure everyone in this room has tried to find a shortcut when it comes to walking in obedience and doing the long-term lifestyle that God has called us to live. But there is no shortcuts. And when we try to take shortcuts, oftentimes we miss the promises of God. How can we take shortcuts in the promises of God? Well, let's open up to Genesis chapter 16. And we're reading from verse 1 through 6. We're going to kind of stop throughout this passage. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave, and perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai had said. One of the ways that we try to take shortcuts to the promises of God, and it ends up uh, we miss the promises of God because of that, is we start to make our own plans. Who in this room is a planner? Like, you like to plan it to the T. Don't be ashamed. Me too. I'm with you. Like, we're there. And if you're a control freak, raise both hands. Uh, It turns in from planners. Some of you are real honest, and I appreciate that about you. And those who are that and didn't raise your hand, your spouse looks straight at you, and I saw that. Uh, We love to make plans, and I think that's a really beneficial thing. Every Sunday we we make plans. We plan out the worship songs that we're going to sing. We plan out transitions. You plan out what you're going to preach before you come up here and talk. You plan out how everything's going to look and smell and the whole experience, and plans aren't a bad thing. But when you start to make plans for God is when it becomes dangerous. You see, God had given Abram a promise that he was going to multiply his descendants. And more than the stars of the sky, you would see his family stretch across countries. But in the next part of the passage, it says it's been 10 years that he's been inhabiting the land of Canaan. And through those 10 years, he's yet to see the promises of God. So Sarai gets a little stir crazy. And she says, you know what? Maybe God was waiting for us to do this. And oftentimes, we try to justify our own plans with saying, maybe this is what God wanted us to do anyways. 
And maybe it is an extra step of obedience God is calling you to, but I promise you this, if it doesn't align with the word of God and it doesn't come out of the mouth of God, he didn't plan for you to do that. But oftentimes when God calls us to something or he gives us promises and he promises us that our family will come back to him or he promises a life of blessing and an eternal relationship with him, but then you start to face suffering, we start to change the plan. And anytime you change the plan, you will miss the promise. We cannot start to plan things on our own because the moment we do that, we stop relying on God and we're no longer walking in faith. We're walking in our own understanding. Proverbs chapter 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, say all, submit to him and he will make your path straight. When we start making our own plans, we step out of the plans of God. You see, I had a plan for my life. You could throw that picture of my family. I kind of passed through it, but I want to show you uh, the picture because they're the cutest girls in the whole world. little bias. Uh, so that's my wife, Crystal. Um, she's incredible. She's a missionary. Um, the girl on the right, she's three. Her name is Henley Ray, and uh, she's a wild woman. And then the one on the left uh, that's probably looking at the dogs or something, uh, her name is Harper Rose, and that's my buddy. Her name's Squishy. And uh, she'll probably hate that when she's a teenager, but she doesn't mind it now. So, you know, we're going to call her Squishy. Squishy and Boo Boo, those are my girls. I remember as you grow up, you always make plans for your life, right? We are going to, when you're a kid, I'm going to be an astronaut. When you're a teenager, you're going to be wealthy. When you're an adult, you're going to have a, a house to yourself and, you know, be able to have a bunch of land and four-wheel. You start making all these plans constantly. And then what's funny is all the plans that I had made throughout my life up until I met my wife, of course, didn't look like that picture. But I am so grateful that I serve a God who has greater plans than I could ever create for myself. You see, the promise that God gave to Abram was great. And the promise that he gives to you is just as great. It's that you get to live in an eternal relationship with him. And the plans that God has for you are always to prosper you and not to harm you. So when we get impatient and we start to make our own plans, and then at the end of the day we get frustrated because we didn't end up prospering that day, we start to blame God. And I want you to question your decision making today because maybe the issue issue isn't God's plans. Maybe the issue is you've stopped walking in the plans of God, called in audible, and started doing your own thing. So now you're not walking in a prosperous lifestyle. But the truth is, you've been avoiding the plans that he's given you. I would love to have a six-pack, honestly. And this is just a weird thing to say, like, that'd be so cool, you know? It'd be awesome. But I'm not going to get that unless I work out and eat healthy, right? But sometimes we try to take shortcuts, and that's, you know, you get all these little medicines that they put on every single infomercial that can also give you every disease known to man, like at the end of the commercial. And we start to make these earthly shortcuts, and the truth is we do the same thing in our spiritual life. You will not see God move in crazy God-sized ways in your life unless you stay obedient to the process and the plans that God has given you. 
If you want to see blessing, you want to see the promises of God in your life, stay faithful to God's plan. The second way that we try to shortcut the promises of God is we start to work through other people. Oh, I'm excited to talk about this. Verse 3. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, everybody say 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. One of the things that we're seeing in church today more than ever is church hurt. And, uh, you know, some people are a little shy about talking, the, uh, talking about this, but I'm not shy about anything. So uh, we're going to talk about it. And there are certain people who are believers or pastors or powerful figures within the church. And when they mess up, people leave the church completely. And, you know, yes, you follow mentors. Yes, you trust in people. Yes, it hurts. But there's too many people who are leaving the faith because of the faith of another man. And the truth is that God did not hurt you in that situation. Your relationship was living through a middleman. And because the middleman failed and you were connected to the middleman and not to God, you have now started to feel empty. And what we start to do is we see other people who have great faith or they've got it all together. and They've got the kids and the white picket fence. And I wanna, I'm going to now project my life through them. You're no longer connecting to the source. You're connecting to something that looks like it. And there's too many of us who feel so unqualified that we think we are unable to approach God, that we live our relationship through a pastor, we live our relationship with God through another person, through a mentor, through a mom, through a grandma, whatever it may be. And we start to try to catch a shortcut to a deep relationship with God. When man will always fail, God will never fail. And when man fails, we start to blame God. You see this cycle of what happens in this passage, and it's what happens in our life is we start to make our own plans. We start to project who God is and our relationship with God through other people. And then at the end of the day, when you take a shortcut, you never end up at the destination God had for you. Can I encourage somebody in this room who maybe even you've projected your relationship with God through just church services? That's not how God designed it to be. God designed you to live in an intimate and loving and life-giving relationship with him. And he begs you, no matter your failures, no matter your past, no matter your baggage, no matter what your generations before you has done, he begs you to come to him so that he can embrace you. You do not have to take shortcuts to meet Jesus. He's standing there with his arms open wide every single day. We have to stop projecting our relationship with God through man, through other people, through things, through worship songs and things like that. And we have to start connecting to the Father ourselves because anytime we start to project it through people, we miss the promise. The third way that we shortcut the promises of God is we become the victim. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands. And Abram said, do with her what you think is best. And then Sarai mistreated Hagar, and so she fled from her. You see Abram and Sarai both becoming the victim in the situation. Sarai says, Abram, this is your fault. 
And Abram said, no, you told me to do this. And everybody starts blaming each other. And now everybody's out to get me. And because everyone's out to get me, I'm no longer being who God has called me to be. And we live, goodness gracious, in this generation in a posture of victimhood. I'm, I'm about to delete social media altogether. I mean, truthfully, the only thing I do on social media anyways is repost my wife's pictures. Somebody asked me the other day, Wes, why would I follow you? You literally just repost your church and repost your wife. I'll just follow them. And I said, you know what? That's true. You know, that's fine with me. You know, I got nothing better to say than pictures of my daughters. But every time I get on there, I I try to stay up with our community in Harrisburg. Uh, We have these Facebook pages that are forums. And I'm sure Lake Norman and Mooresville or all these other cities have things just like that. And every time something's posted, it's like people are sitting there waiting all day just to start complaining and be frustrated about how you hurt my feelings. I picked up a piece of trash on the sidewalk the other day and threw it away. Somebody posts that. I can't believe you did that. My grandmother put that piece of trash there years ago. And like, it's just why are we live in this season of victimhood. And the sad thing is that God called us to suffering. So now when we walk in the plans of God, which is to suffer, which is to walk through trial, which is to be tested, we start to blame God and get mad at God instead of realizing he's equipping us and preparing us to be exactly who he's called us to be. God uses trials as a season of testing, and he wants to see where your faith is. But the sad thing is, often when God presents trials in our life, we just become the victim instead of the warrior he's called us to be. And it's time for the church to pick up the sword of the spirit and put down the cardboard sign. Can we just do this? Like, please. When you preach the fullness of the gospel, you preach equality. You preach the sanctity of life. You preach all of these things that we're holding so dearly to. But when we prioritize those things over this, and we become the victim, instead of the warrior, we miss the promises of God. Because can I tell you this? The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And as we're kids and adults, we like to say he just does that to other things. But the truth is, he's doing that to you. And as long as you allow yourself to be the victim, you will continue to miss the promises of God. Because victimhood is not humility. Humility and victimhood are not the same thing. God calls you to have a posture and a heart of humility, but that is last shall be first, not I'm so tired because I'm always in last. We have to stop becoming the victim and realize that when the enemy's swinging at you and you're walking through trials, it's because he's fearful of what you're going to do when you become the warrior instead of the victim. And maybe you should allow that season of testing, that season of hurt, that relationship that might be hurting you more than helping you, and all of these different things the enemy's using to attack you. Maybe you use those as motivations instead of reasons to go sit in your room and cry because as long as we're the victim we're not scaring the gates of hell as long as we're the victim we're missing the promises of God it's time to stop crossing our arms and pouting and walk out and testify the goodness of God no matter what other people say but it's the moment that you stand you will become the victim
It's the moment that you stand up for what is right, the enemy will swing at his hardest. It is the moment that you stand up for the promises of God, you will start to see the weapons of the enemy. But there is no weapon of the enemy that is greater than the power of our God. And when you are rooted into the power of God, no matter what the plan looks like, no matter the trials on the way, you will see the promises of God. And the promises of God, even if we were only recipients of 1%, but I am so grateful we are not. We are recipients of 100% of the promises of God. We are called children of the one true king. We have been replaced as filthy rags, now clothed in the righteousness of the Father. You are now be able to be seated at the right hand of the Father, worshiping Him for eternity. You are a full recipient of the promises of God. And those promises are worth any trial. We've got to stop taking shortcuts. Two ways that we walk in the promises of God and we don't take shortcuts. The first thing is stay faithful to the journey. Verse 7 through 12 says this, Then the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert, and it was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have, you be, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to the Lord, or submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much, so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility all his, to all his brothers. This sounds like a second child. That's what that reminds me of. I only say that because I'm the oldest. Any second childs in here? We're praying for your families. I'm kidding. You're not all like that. Don't let me label you like that. You're wonderful, you know. That was totally your siblings. Hagar runs away because she starts to be oppressed, and she immediately becomes the victim of the situation. And the angel comes to her and says, listen, you're not called to go and hide. You're called to go back, allow Sarai to do whatever she's doing, because I have a promise for you as well. Stay faithful to the journey because a lot of us will read this passage and think that Sarai and Abram were the only recipients of the promise. But the truth is he had a promise for Hagar too. An Egyptian slave who was just thrown into a relationship that she didn't choose to be in. But he said it's time to go back, be faithful, and watch me work. Stay faithful to the journey. Those of you in here who think that you are not qualified for the promises of God. And when you see other people, you think of Abram and Sarai, but when you see yourself, you call yourself a Hagar. God had promises for Hagar too. And he's got a promise for you that he will work out all things for your good, that he has plans to prosper you. Like these scriptures are for every single person in this room. But if we go and hide and we don't stay faithful to the journey, we miss it. You, you know, we always say this joke of like, he makes your path straight, but he doesn't talk about the speed bumps in the road. Whoever is in charge of like modern day speed bumps, they need to be immediately fired because like speed mountains, they're not bumps anymore. And yes, that path is straight, but 
like it's going to have some bumps in the road. And there's going to be seasons that you want to quit. And there's going to be seasons where people like Sarai are coming after you. There's going to be people who are going to come after you. And it's just the enemy using them to try to keep you from walking in the plan that God has given you. There's going to be some Karens along the way. And if your name is Karen, I'm sorry that this has happened to you, but this is like a thing now. We're praying for you. If you need to change your name legally, we've got somebody in the back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We love you. You're a child of the God. You're not, you're not Karen. But there's going to be people along the way that the enemy is going to place in your path to try to deter you from walking in the plans of God. And you just have to examine who are those people around you. And it's not like I don't need to talk to you because you're like a, pushing me away from God. But maybe the people that you root your, your life in a little deeper shouldn't be that way. If your friends aren't propelling you towards the plans of God, they're not really your friends. If your friend, your friend, your France, <laughs> we're a little, we're a little more country in the Berg. Uh, <laughs> If your friends aren't propelling you towards the plans of God, they're not your friends. If your friends are saying, you know what, this is what you should do, and it never grows the kingdom of God, then you're missing it. This is the thing we have to think about because God does want you to prosper. He does want to bless you. He does want your business to grow. He does want your family to grow. He wants your, you, you know, uh, your influence to grow. But the reason he wants it to grow is so that you can grow the kingdom of God. And you've got to think. Am I utilizing everything that I have to grow the kingdom of God? Because if you're not, walking in the plan of God, you will not see the prosper God has got waiting for you. If you're not walking in the plans of God, you will not see the prosperity that God has to offer you. And so many people instantly cringe when they hear the word prosperity, but this isn't prosperity gospel. This is saying if you walk through suffering, you will see the reward. And it may not be that your business becomes a million-dollar business. The true reward is when we reside in heaven with our heavenly Father. The reward's never here. But you have to walk in the plans of God. We have to stop taking shortcuts. We have to stay faithful to the process. And if the band can come and help me, the final thing, the way we walk in the paths of God, the promises of God, is we keep our eyes on the destination. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And that is why the well was called, y'all going to say that yourself, it is, there, it is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Agar gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Through this whole process, Hagar had an understanding that God saw her. And because she knew God saw her, that's what she was focused on for the rest of her life. We have to stay faithful to the process. Stay faithful to the journey that God has you on. Stay obedient through the bumps in the road. And then we have to keep our eyes on the destination that is Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the same as seated at the right hand of the throne.
look to Jesus. The only way that you arrive to your destination is staying focused on it the whole time. The only way that you walk in the promises of God is when you're focused on the one who has given you those promises. The only way that you find yourself to the destination that God has designed you to reach is when you're focused on the one who's directing your path. Yes, he's put light to your feet and to your path, but too many of us are staring at our feet and looking at our own understanding and what step can we take when we should be watching God the whole time. It's time to pick our heads up and to focus on Jesus. See, it's really easy to find obstacles in your way. It's really easy to look at our world and look at the political climate and all the different things that are happening and just start complaining about all the obstacles and the issues that are in our path. But the truth is when you're focused on the destination, none of that matters. When you've got your eyes on Jesus, none of that matters. Things will show up, but because you're focused on Jesus, you will navigate the the issues that the enemy uses to pull you off the path that God has designed for you. You will use his spirit and his power to navigate those things. And because of that, you'll still be headed the right direction. But oftentimes when we try to take shortcuts, we end up in the wrong place. I saw this picture. Somebody posted it up on social media. You can throw that first one up. I'm just going to kind of read it off the screen. That was kind of funny. I think we have it. We don't have it. It's not a big deal. There was this story um, where this young guy posted these pictures of Switzerland. I don't know if anybody's seen this, right? Isn't it crazy? He posted this picture of Switzerland, all these beautiful mountain ranges and forests and woods. And I mean, Switzerland, I just watched, I think Lord of the Rings was there or something. I just imagine that's what it looks like. I've never been there. Um, but he labeled it Gastonia and Gastonia and sea, right? So this lady from Florida drives up to Gastonia, North Carolina. If you haven't been to Gastonia, there's no reason to go. Just look it up on the internet. (laughs) Drives up to Gastonia, North Carolina and says, where's the mountains? Where is the beautiful rivers and the streams? I can't find Gandalf anywhere. Like, what is going on? There's car dealerships. And a Wendy's, that's it. Like, what do we? And she relied on a different source. Didn't follow the directions. And ended up in a place that she thought was going to be beautiful. And it looked nothing like she expected it to look like. I just want you to catch this. If you're not focused on the destination, you do not know God. You will not be able to walk in the promises of God. And a lot of us are frustrated because Switzerland looks a lot like Gastonia, North Carolina. And if you're watching from Gastonia, I don't apologize. You know, like, (laughs) and we're saying, God, it's supposed to be prosperous. You know, we're supposed to see blessings on blessings and my family following you and all these different things. And, but I'm just seeing struggle and hardship and all of these different things. And you know, what's promised, the promises of God look a lot like Gastonia. The truth is, we've been taking shortcuts the whole time. 
because we've been making our own plans and we've been projecting our relationship with God through other people and we haven't been staying faithful to the process we've just been the victim and we've not been the warrior but we haven't been staying faithful to the process we haven't been focused on the destination you're really in Gastonia North Carolina you're really walking in your own path in your own plan and because of that you are not seeing the promises of God I want you to do some introspection just for a moment who is in control of your life Who's your source? Come on, Sam, that's such a good word. Who's your source? Who's your Siri? Who's your MapQuest? Who's all these things? Who's given you the direction to the destination? Because if you're relying on your knowledge, you will never end up where you want. But when you rely on the power and the faithfulness and the love and the grace and the mercy of God, you will always end up in a better place than you ever planned. I want to give somebody an opportunity to make the greatest decision you could ever make in the world in this room just for a moment. And maybe you're hearing this and like, you know what, Pastor Wes, I feel like I'm walking in Gastonia. I'm not living a relationship with Jesus. I'm not seeing promises. I'm not seeing blessings. I'm not seeing that love of God. And maybe it's because you've never really given your life to him. This is the truth. In order to be a recipient of the promise, you have to be a participant of God's grace. And this is what I mean by that. In order to receive the promises that God has given you, and that is to live in an eternal relationship with him, that you do not have to receive the, the uh, things that you did, the consequences of your sin, that is a life in hell that we do deserve. But the promises of God is that you could spend eternity with him. But in order to inherit the promises of God, you've got to be a participant in his grace. You've got to give your life to Jesus. Scripture says to boldly proclaim that Christ is Lord and to believe in your heart that he died on the cross for you. And when you do that, you change your course. And when you do that, you change your path. You change the journey. And now you're being directed by God and the destination is God. You're no longer walking in your own understanding and faith, facing things on your own. And if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus in your heart before, you've never given your life to him, maybe you made a decision when you were a kid and nothing really changed. If you've never had that moment where your life has truly been transformed by God, that he renewed your mind, renewed your spirit, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. What I'm going to ask is that you would do exactly what Scripture said. It says to boldly proclaim that Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that he died on the cross for you. So everybody's going to keep looking around, and this isn't to point fingers at you, because the truth is we have to make this decision every day. This is to celebrate with you. This is to come alongside of you. This is so that we can help you step in to where God has been. Uh, God is calling you because the truth is some of us have been on the path a lot longer, and some know the, some know the directions a little bit better than others. And it's not that some people are better than others. It's that some people who have been walking in that relationship with Jesus, they don't have it figured out by any means, but they know a couple turns that you don't need to take, and they want to help you. So if you're here, you know what, Pastor Wes, I've never given my life to Jesus before, but today I want to step into the promises of God. I don't want to walk in hell for eternity. I want to live with the Heavenly Father. I want to be a participant of God's grace. If that's you, what I want you to do is I just want you even now just to raise your hand. That decision, that bold proclamation is you stepping into the promises of God. I'll give you a couple seconds. Just raise your hand if you want to give your life to him. If it's nobody, that's cool. If it's everybody, awesome. 
wonderful, a room full of saints, a room full of people who are called to be faithful to the journey, to be focused on the destination. Here's my challenge to you. Find somebody who got off on the wrong path and pull them on that journey with you. This week, I want you to find somebody. You don't even have to invite them to church. It's not like this new transformed mindset, like you can show people who Jesus is without even asking them to go to church. Like you can avoid awkward conversations. We're praying that they'll end up coming later, but find somebody who is off on the wrong path and don't just hope for the best, but step in and grab them by the arm and say, hey, I know you took a wrong shortcut, but God's calling you back to the promises that he has waiting for you. I want you to take that as your challenge. I want you right now to think of a person in your mind. Who is a person that you can grab to bring on this journey of life with you so that we can all walk into the promises of God? Because that's what we've been called to do, amen? We've been called to stop people from going to Miami, Florida, up north on 85 or wherever to get to Gastonia and to stop them on their way and help them step into the promises of God. Can we do that this week, church? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would empower, that you would equip, that you would call, that you would burden us to share your word with your people. God, we are believing that you are going to open doors for one person this week who fell off on the wrong path, who took the wrong shortcut, took a wrong turn, that we're going to be able to step in and to help them find you, to walk back on that straight and narrow path that you have called us to, not because we have it figured out, but because we are going to be obedient to the call that you have given us, and we are going to watch you do the work. God, we pray for those who have experienced some road bumps in the road. God, we pray for those who have had that spirit of victimhood. God, I pray that you would convict us in our hearts and you would replace victimhood with humility. God, I pray that we would rely on you and your plans and that we wouldn't be so quick to grow impatient that we would change the plans ourselves, but we would rely on the plans that you have given us. Be faithful to the process, faithful on the journey, and focus on you the whole way through. God, I am so excited to see what the future of this church looks like. God, you are going to continue to grow it. You are going to continue to grow it outward and deeper in our relationship with you and bringing new people into this building. And I pray this whole time, as it is now, this church would continuously be fixed on you. It would always and only be about experiencing your presence and reaching people for your kingdom. And we would stay faithful to the plan. We would watch the giver of the promise work. In Jesus' name, everybody said.